Thank you, Jesus. Good morning, Warriors. How are you all this morning? Come on. Remember, you are the head and you are not the tail. Jesus is not coming up for a beaten up church that is feeling for its so- sorry for itself. He is coming back for a victorious bride. Amen. Come on. If I said, will you turn with me to the book of Jonah, would you know where to go? <laughs> well, if you have your Bible, can I encourage you to open it and turn to Jonah? If you happen to have the same Bible as me, it's on page 922, but I guess that will not be the case for you. But it's right the way through most of the Old Testament. Just before you get to the New Testament, you will get to Jonah. And this series we have called Jonah, Arise and Go. I looked at, Pete and I looked at some titles when we felt really convicted we needed to talk on the book of Jonah. And we, um, I, I really like the, the tale from, uh, tale from, uh, from Mark Driscoll in America who did a series on Jonah and he called it Jonah, a fishy tale about a faithful God. But we thought that might be a little bit too cheesy. But what we want to do is encourage you to arise, friends, and go into everything that God has called you to in your life. Today, I want to talk about the call of destiny that not only was on Jonah, but it is on you as well. We are all given general tasks that are the same for every Christian. Every single one of you has been called, has been purposed, has been destined to love God, to love people, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, to do your bit, to bring his kingdom into this world, to see heaven come to earth, not just on a Sunday, but on the Monday to Saturday as well. Because God is not just coming for his church, he wants to come back for everyone. Remember, Jesus never said, go to church. He said, kingdom come and church go. He said, church, arise and go. That doesn't mean you can't come to church next Sunday, by the way. You still need to come. Have you ever looked at certain things and said, I just feel like I'm born to do what I'm doing now? I feel born to do what I do. I love what I do. Sometimes it nearly cripples me, but I love it. What is the call of destiny over your life? What is God calling to you? I want to encourage you this morning to arise and go, just like Jonah did. Before you leave today, remember the host team will, unless you strategically avoid them, will hand you a card. We want to give you a challenge on every one of these three weeks today and two weeks that follow. We want to give you a challenge to encourage you to arise and go, just like Jonah did. But Jonah is known as a prophet who had a terrible attitude. Friends, go with grace. Go with love. Go with mercy. We want to get you into this amazing book. We actually sent um, in our weekly update, which you, if you subscribe to our emails, if you don't, go and see the, uh, the host team before you go and they'll get you signed up. Um, but if you receive that or if you look on our um, social media, you, you will have seen a, a version uh, Bible planner devotional that we'd love you to, to consider Uh, jumping right into and reading with us. It will take you 28 days right throughout the book of Jonah and we'll look at some of the things it can teach us. Remember, 2 Timothy says, all scripture, everything in the Bible is useful for teaching, for preaching, rebuking, for training in righteousness. Every single word is useful and it's alive, it's active, it changes people even today. Just reading this book of Jonah this last week, just this morning, has begun to change me in a new way. 
And it will, you too. Can you please talk back to me this morning? The first service weren't as responsive as I was hoping they were going to be. So please, if, you have, if it's anything positive, great. If it's something negative, come and tell me later. But can you please, holler, seriously, holler back. If you agree with something, please tell me. We all have a destiny in God. We're all called to arise and go into it. And for many of us, it's just about doing the stuff that God calls us to do. But for all of us, there is something that God will call you to do, whether it's today, whether it's next week, whether it's in 10 years or more. God will call you into your destiny. I want to look at that this morning. Destiny. What Going into your destiny will be the scariest thing you've ever done. Go, for me, going on a roller coaster is one of the scariest things I can imagine. But you know what? When I finally let go and I just do it, I find it so exhilarating. It's not without fears, but it's the, it will be the ride of your life. I'm going to read through Jonah, it will, from Jonah chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's not a big book. You can read it in 10 or 15 minutes if you're an, an average-paced reader. It will appear on the screens. It will appear in your Bibles. You might even want to sit and just close your eyes and take this in as I read this through. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go and preach to the great city of Nineveh. and pre- Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Who knows that that's impossible. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and they fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault, for this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but when they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, He said, this reads just like a psalm, he said, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called 
for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed has wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will become, I, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. What a lovely ending. <laughs> I want to encourage you to read Jonah for yourself. Read it once, read it twice, read it over and over. See what, ask God what he wants to say to you through it. How does this relate to you? So some reflection on Jonah as a, as a book. Jonah is a short book. It's only four chapters long. It's only 48 verses in total. The entire book is shorter than, significantly shorter than Luke chapter 1 alone in terms of verses. It's a small story, but it packs a punch. It's in the Bible for a specific reason, so I encourage you to read it. It's a unique book, a unique story with a beautiful symmetry. Chapter 1 and chapter 3 mirror one another in some ways. They tell of Jonah's encounter with non-Israelites. And he was supposed to be making this journey to preach against the Ninevites, who were some of the most wicked, evil, barbaric, bloodthirsty people this world has ever known. If they didn't like you, do you know what they did? They would impale you from your bottom on a stake until you died. That sounds a lovely way to die, doesn't it? No, you didn't get a lethal injection then. They would, that was horrible. Some of the most barbaric people ever known quite in the back. Thank you. Chapters 1 and 3 tell of Jonah's encounter with non-Israelites. Well, chapters 2 and 4 are prayers of repentance. And then Jonah harangues God for being merciful towards his enemies. We don't know exactly for absolutely sure who wrote Jonah, because the author doesn't seem to identify themselves, but tradition has suggested it was written by Jonah himself, following events that happened in the book. Jonah was primarily written to the northern kingdom of Israel, but it has much to tell us today. I'm trying to give you some backgrounds to this book. This is what it is. This is why we should read it. Jo- for, this, for the historians in the room, Jonah prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam II, who reigned from 793 to 753 BC. And the book is said to have been written around about 750 to 752 BC. Amos, who later prophesies against Jeroboam in his book, reverse, and he reverses Jonah's prophecy about the Ninevites. Jonah is unique among the Old Testament prophets because while they usually prophesy specific words, Jonah prophesied with his life. Jonah spoke out words, but he prophesied with his life. Jonah is best known for the whale that swallowed him. Best known for the whale that swallowed him. But as Pete said last week, 
It is merely a footnote. Imagine, has anyone ever ordered a, an Uber? And a taxi? A taxi. Has anyone here ordered a taxi? Come on, listen, you must all have ordered a taxi, or most of you ordered a taxi at some point. Imagine the whale was merely a taxi to get him to his destination. Merely a taxi to get him to his destination. To get him back on track. It was merely a means to, the, to an end. Experts debate whether Jonah is a real story or whether it's just a tale. And I believe, friends, and I believe that this is backed up historically and within Scripture, I believe that Jonah is a real story. And I re- believe it for this, these two main reasons. Firstly, Jesus refers to it as though it actually happened. Matthew 12 and Luke 11, Jesus speaks of the sign of Jonah. He says, nothing will be said to this generation except for the sign of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah? Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the the fish. Jesus was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Both of them had a destiny following a burial. Both of them had a destiny following their burial. And Jesus suggests in those words about Jonah... He suggests it's something that actually took happened, the sign of Jonah, not the sign of the story of Jonah. So Jesus speaks in parables, but he suggests this actually happened. I therefore, I take Jesus at his every word. Therefore, if he says it's happened, it's happened. Jesus is also the only Old Testament prophet that he compares himself to. He speaks of others, but he only compares himself to one, and that's Jonah. Secondly, the other reason I believe this is a true story, something that is rooted in history, is when you read the narrative, and and experts, lots of experts would say this, the narrative isn't mythical in its construction. It's not like Theseus and the Minotaur or something like that. It's not mythical in its construction. It is rooted in history, time, and space. It suggests a particular man a particular time in a particular part of the world with a, a man with a certain mission. Often those who want to read the Bible with a pair of their scissors in their hands are the people who have not experienced the miraculous power of God. And when you have, you will often look at this and you will think, if God can create the heavens and the earth, if he can bring Jesus back from the dead, why could he not sustain a man while he is in the belly of a fish? I'll come to that in a second. It's written like it really happened, in other words. Also, I am told, I've been told by people who know more about this than me, that people have been swallowed by fish before and lived to tell the tale. (laughs) It's true, it's happened. They've lived to tell the tale. A minor number of experts also suggest that Jonah may have actually died while he was in the belly of the fish and was then resurrected by the power of God. That's only a minor number, but some people suggest that. But certainly when you read Jonah chapter number 2, there are things in there that suggest that it could have happened. You brought my life back up from the dead. It said that he was bedraggled beyond all belief when he was spat out back onto, the, onto dry land. If Jonah was resurrected, it would give even more credence to the fact that Jesus compared himself to Jonah. Because just as the belly of the fish could not hold Jesus, the gra- Jonah, G- the grave could not hold Jesus. There's something about him. He had to rise again, didn't he? We're coming up to Easter. Easter's next month, and we shouldn't just get excited about the resurrection at Easter. It's for the whole year round. We're people of the resurrection. Lots of people debate the whale swallowing incident, and if we assume that it is true and it really happened, I would say suggest there are three possible scenarios as to what happened. Firstly, Jonah was simply kept alive because some say it's possible to live in a fish. I 
wouldn't want to test it out, but it would be possible to live for some time inside a fish. Secondly, it could be that it wasn't possible, but God's just simply, by his mercy, sustained Jonah's life, by his grace, sustained Jonah's life while he was in the whale. Or thirdly, Jonah did actually die at some point while he was in the whale, in the belly of the fish. But at some point, when he was vomited out, God resurrected him, God brought him back to life. In fact, there was a joke once told... There's a story once told of um, a little girl who was in a class and the teacher was talking about fish and sea creatures and such like. And the little girl put her hand up when the teacher said, um, does anyone have an interesting story to tell me about a fish or something to do with the sea? And the little girl said, I know the story of a man who was swallowed by a fish and lived to tell the tale. And the teacher said, that's just absolutely ridiculous. And the little girl told her the story of Jonah. And she said... The teacher said to the little girl, come on, I mean, do you not know that while a whale is huge, its throat is incredibly small and you couldn't fit a man down it? And the little girl says, well, do you know what? I'll, I'll just, it's in the Bible, I'll just trust it's true. And the teacher ridicules her for it. And the little girl says, I tell you what, when I get to heaven, when I see Jonah, I'll ask him if it was true. And the teacher says, well, what if Jonah's gone to hell? And she says, well, you ask him. <laughs> Okay? I, I don't normally tell jokes. I'm not very funny. <laughs> Jonah will be worked through over the next three weeks, including today. However, the story concludes with this strange moment when God raises up a plant to shelter Jonah from the heat, but then a worm comes along and eats the plant up. God basically finishes the story by asking Jonah. It's really bizarre. You have to read it for yourself if you haven't. Asking Jonah whether it's okay for him to show mercy to his enemies. The point of the book seems to be here, right at the end. You see, God wasn't, I don't believe today, he's asking so much for Jonah's answer, which isn't given. He's asking for our answer. He's saying to every single one of us, if I show mercy to your enemies, will you be okay with that? Will you be okay with that? Are you okay that God loves your enemy? Jonah holds a mirror up to every single one of us and asks whether we're able to love our enemies and are we comfortable with the fact that God wants to show mercy, even people who are his enemies right now. God challenges us through this book, the often religious Jonah inside all of us. That's the point of the story. That's the point of the story for us today. Jonah was given a command and a destiny by God, but he runs away on this ship. If you, look, if you were to look on the map and you were to look where Jonah lived and you look where the land of Tarshish is, he literally went as far away as possible. See, Jonah thought he could outrun God, but all he was doing was outrunning his own destiny. You can't escape God. You can run and you can think it, but you turn around and he's behind you. You could go to the other side of this universe and God would still be behind you. You see, you can't outrun God, but you can outrun the things that he wants you to do. And that is one of the main points of this book. It's one of the main points of Jonah. He's throw, he goes out to Tarshish. You have the storm. He's kind of voluntarily thrown overboard. He's swallowed by a fish. Note that God had sent the fish prior to Jonah's repentance. Do you notice that? Before Jonah said, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm, and repentance, one of the ways to think of the word repentance is to bring yourself in line with what God says. 
That's what repentance is. Saying, I'm not going to be the leader of my own life. I'm going to let you lead me. Note the fish was already on its way. Ready to give Jonah another chance. Ready to let Jonah fulfill his destiny. Let me ask, if this was your enemy, would you be comfortable with God giving them another chance? He's saved by the fish. He stays in it for three days, three nights. He's vomited back to safety on dry land. And later on in the story, Jonah goes to the wicked city of Nineveh as per his original mission. See, God provides him with a way back. And we're left there with an, in, in this interesting story with this cliffhanger of a question. Would we do the same? We can contrast Jonah's story with the life of Abraham. Both had big destinies. Both had huge calls on their lives. Abraham was obedient straight away, and he had a good attitude. Jonah took some persuading. But you will see in the book, just stop and ask yourself, where is this guy's heart at? Jonah's attitude was poor. He was like a really mean prophet. Really mean prophet. But God still fulfilled both of their destinies. See, you can be disobedient to God, but if you bring, then bring yourself back into a place of repentance, God can restore. God can put you... I spent, I've spent mo- cards on the table. I've spent most of my life running away from what God had told me to do. Most of my life. And when God got hold of me and I responded to him, it gave me back more than I ever thought I would have in the first place. I encourage you to do the same. Jonah shows that God gives second chances. He even used pagan fishermen and the sea as agents of judgment, but he mercifully provided the way back in the fish. One of the points of the story is when God calls you to a destiny, get there quicker, stay there longer. Just do it. Don't even ask yourself, like Laura told us today, just, if God says, just do it, just trust him. See what happens. Jonah has so much to teach us about our own lives. And we could be very cynical here and we could say, well, Jonah should have learned his lesson early on. Jonah should have just gone it. Why didn't he go to Nineveh? Well, think about it like this. Two reasons. Firstly, these people, the Ninevites, Jonah may well have seen, raped and pillaged their way through the place that Jonah lived in before they went back north. Jonah could have seen the, would have seen these very people destroying the place that he lived in. And then God says, go to them and tell them they're wrong. The other reason is, if you put it into cultural context for today, imagine there's a war-torn area of the Middle East where Jonah lived. And God calls you to go to the warmongers and tell them to repent. Would you go and book that flight this afternoon? Would you... Spend all the money in your bank account to get yourself there? Would you put yourself in mortal danger in order to go and do it? When you think about it like that, you think, maybe Jonah had a point. Maybe most of us, if not all of us, would have run away, at least in the first instance, until God got hold of us, until we experienced God's power, until we realized the destiny, the call, and the fact that God was going to keep us safe in the meantime, just like he did Jonah. Jonah's like a picture of Israel. They were there to be a light to the world to reveal God's redemptive plans, purposes, desire for his world. But they often ran. They went through cycles of disobedience and repentance and glory and then disobedience again. 
How can we learn from it? Well, four things I just want to take you right through really quickly. Firstly, your destiny will be costly, but it will be worth it. You know the old phrase, buy cheap, buy twice? Or it's cousins, which is you get what you pay for. Well, it's similar to that with God. Because if you don't do what he calls you to do, you'll pay more for it in the long run because you'll be filled with regret, filled with, oh, why didn't I just do it? The amazing thing is God provides a way out. Even when you've run, he provides a way out and he can plop you back into a destiny if you'll just get on board with him. It will be costly, but it will be worth it. Anything worth something costs a lot. A holiday in the Bahamas costs, for two weeks costs a lot more than two weeks in, a, in Skag Vegas, doesn't it? <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with going to, to our east coast. But the bigger the destiny, the higher the price. Jonah had a lot to lose by going to Nineveh. Jonah is a book only tells us, in case you think I'm making this stuff up, because there isn't a lot in the book about the wickedness of Nineveh. But Jonah only tells us that it was a violent city full of evil ways. But if you read the book of Nahum, it states that Nineveh's sins include these things. Could you imagine these being written against you? Plotting evil against the Lord, cruelty and plundering in war, prostitution, witchcraft, and commercial exploitation. It wasn't the best place to live. You know, if I was going to go and buy a house, it wouldn't have been in Nineveh. It was a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place to consider going into. Yet we find out that Jonah with, was it eight words, redeems the city. And the whole city turns to God. See, sometimes our fears turn out to be far greater than reality. Than reality. Jonah shows us just this. Your destiny will be costly, but it will be worth it. Jonah had a lot to lose by going to Nineveh. In the end, he did it. But friends, keep your heart right. Be sweet. It's similar for us, our destiny. Your destiny will cost you, but it will be worth it. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 tells us that we should trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Jonah needed some of that. We do too. In all our ways, submit to him and he will make our paths straight. God will fulfill your destiny. God will fulfill your destiny. It's the second thing I want to tell you. There are daily things we need to do. We need to push into our destiny. God is not going to let you see you going to your destiny if you just sit around and do nothing. So many people are not in their destiny because they're refusing to get up off the couch and do something for God. But only God can correctly position us. Only God can correctly position us. See, Jonah was given a command by God. All he had to do was be obedient and God was going to put him in the right place. Jonah given a command by God. Despite his disobedience, God came looking for him and he provided a way for him to be faithful. God provided a way out. He provided the fish even before Jonah had repented. Even before Jonah realised the full extent of his problems. Where's the parallel for us? While we were still Enemies of God, still sinners. Jesus died for us. He died for you with no guarantee that you'd say yes to him. Isn't that wonderful? I always think, am I going to spend time with this person or these people? Is it going to be worth it? I, 
We all do that probably, don't we? Is it going to be beneficial? Jesus was like, I don't care, I'm doing it because I need to give these people a way out whether they realize it or not. For us, we simply need to remain obedient, keep listening to God, keep following him one foot in front of the other and he will correctly position you. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power at work in us, His power at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's a reminder that we can do whatever we like, but ultimately it will be God who provides us with the destiny. God who provides destiny, vision, and makes a way for us to walk into it. He who can do immeasurably more immeasurably more than you've ever seen right now. Some of you might be thinking too small. Think big. Believe for more. Proverbs 16, verse 9, some of the best stuff in the Bible. It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So if you think about it in terms of a journey, if you were going to go, you were just going to take a walk somewhere in the countryside and you plan it out on an OS map. But then it's God who keeps one foot moving in front of the other. You plan, God determines your steps. Your destiny is not for you alone. It's not for you alone. It's not so that you can feel wonderful and blessed and secure and and great in God. It's actually that, but it's so much more as well. It's so much more as well. Because where do we get the idea, friends, that faith is there just to help us alone I don't see that in my Bible Jesus didn't come just to save one Jesus said I'm coming for the lot Jesus didn't say I just want to establish a nice little Christian presence he said I'm coming for the world we need to think about we need to look at our area here and we need to look at our city and we need to look at our nation and our world and say Jesus is coming back for the lot and he doesn't just want to come back for a victorious church he wants to come back and establish the fullness of his kingdom and we need to do what we can to see the majority see everything that we can see happen until that day comes and we can have that by establishing kingdom principles, by promoting the name of Jesus, by saying Jesus doesn't want religious observ- observance or obedience. He just wants you to know him. There's a guy I know called John Hosier, and he's most of the way through his life now, unless God gives him lots and lots and lots of years. But he once said this. Someone said, what's your biggest step? This guy's seen a lot in church life. And he just said one desire that I may know him he got a round of applause for that I, he just want, and that's what Jesus wants for you he wants you to know him he will establish all this stuff and your destiny is not for you alone but it's to bless it's to encourage it's to get God's work done for him Paul reminds us our lives are not our own he says in 1 Corinthians 6 19 to 20 he says you were bought at a price this makes me think of the always makes me think of um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, when the Sheriff of Nottingham puts a bounty on the head for the capture of Robin of Loxley. And do you know what, friends? Your disobedience to God put a price on your head, but you didn't have to pay it. Jesus has already paid the lot. And he's cleared the balance. You just need to know him, love him, 
be obedient to him. We don't like that word these days, do we? Obedience. Got all sorts of negative connotations, but we need to just be obedient to him. Jesus paid that price with his own blood, and it's paid for. He looks at you, and he doesn't see your lack of obedience or your sin. He sees what he's covered. Jesus is the only one who could cover something in blood. Cover something red, and it's immediately washed white. Immediately washed white. The world wants us to keep our faith private. But I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Can you? I can't keep my faith to myself. I need to tell people. Because I think real vessels can't remain full long before they're emptied again. And the message of Jesus, the life of Jesus, what he's done and what he's going to continue to do until he returns is too precious, too special for me to keep to myself. I hope you are as well. I hope it's the same for you as well. You know, people notice when you begin to press into your godly destiny because when Jonah finally said yes, things changed. When Jonah finally said yes, he saved an entire city. See, his destiny wasn't just for him. And it wasn't even just for Nineveh. It was greater than that. It was for the world. It was the same message. It was the same for Abraham. It's the same for me. It's the same for you. He's the light of the world. And he says, you are also lights of the world. We're called to be lighthouses, to tell people there's more to life than this. Much more. Finally, are you still with me? I'm nearly done. Your destiny is your choice. I want to leave you on that cliffhanger. Just as Jonah finishes on a cliffhanger, I want to leave you with that cliffhanger this morning before before we go any further into this book. Your destiny is your choice. You can choose it. The quicker you get there, the more people you'll save, the more you'll bless, the greater you'll do for God's kingdom. Get there quicker, stay there longer. Even when Jonah was vomited out by the fish, he still had a choice. The difference was he's experienced God's power. He'd experienced the truth. He'd experienced his love. He said, you saved me and I, didn't even, I, didn't even, I wasn't even obedient to you. I wasn't even loving towards you and you still saved me. How could I not go and do your work? I want you to have that attitude. I want to have that attitude. We should all seek to have that attitude. Even if you don't do, know your destiny yet, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter a jot. Just do what God's called you to do. Love God, love people, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Get on and do the stuff. God is in there with us. In it. He's been here. He knows what it's like. He's, and he's coming back for us. He's on his way. We need to be ready. Look at the change of fo- in focus of Jonah once he's in the dark, claustrophobic belly of the fish. You know, I read this and I thought, well, at least there were lights on the inside of the fish. I don't think so. He would have been in the dark, probably horrible, smelly, disgusting, worried like anything, thinking I'm still alive in this fish. What on earth is going to become of me? God redeemed his life from the pit. He can re- wherever you're at right now, he can redeem you from it. And he just says, come on, let's do this stuff. Let's do it together. I've got a great destiny for you. Just push into it. Just finally, and should, we, should we just stand? Because I want to leave you on the cliffhanger of Jesus because Jesus is 
why we're here this morning. And right throughout the Old Testament, you will see lots and lots and lots of different characters who theologians call foreshadowings of Jesus. They're people who were not Jesus, but very like Jesus. They weren't Jesus, but they were very like him. Very like him. Even the fish is a picture of Jesus. He was sent even before we knew him, sent to come and save, sent to come and redeem, sent to come and change. Jesus was the true, better, perfected Jonah. He was better than Jonah ever would have been because Jonah was obedient in the end, but Jesus was obedient from day one. Jesus was obedient from the very second his father spoke and said, come and redeem these people. I want a people for myself. I want a house for my name. I want a people I can call my own. I want to save these people from themselves. Jonah was eaten by a fish, but Jesus ate the fish. John chapter 20. There's a funny one for you. Jonah was in a whale for three days, in the belly of the fish for three days. Jesus was in a grave for three days, but neither of them could be contained. Jonah, because God saved him. God, because there was something in his power that could not remain dead. He's not another dead God this morning. He is someone who is alive and active. And he wants you Friends, he wants to know you. Jonah was battered by the wind and the waves. Jesus walked on them. Isn't that good? Jonah was in a boat. Jesus got out of the boat. He said, come out of the boat. Come out of your religion and come and know me. Jonah was swallowed by a a great fish in that water. Jonah was engulfed by the wind and the waves. But Jesus went through that water, through those waters of baptism, to make a way for you, for his people. He said, I want them to be my people. And he's saying that about you this morning. Jonah went to save a city. Jesus came to save every single human being who has ever lived. Ever lived. Jonah had a message that could save. Jesus said, I will save by myself, by my own blood and friends. He invites us into his partnership this morning. Jesus says, I want to give you a partnership in my firm this morning. I hope this is hitting someone. Jesus says, I'm giving you a partnership in my firm this morning because I don't want you just to be a boring Christian who just reads the Bible and sings the odd song when you don't even think or care about me and pray, but your actual mind's on something else. He says, I want to know you. And I have a destiny and a purpose for you that is greater than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And if you just put your hand in my hand this morning, then we will go on to greater glories together. And by the time you're old and grey, by the time you're about to breathe your last, you will look back and you will say, thank you, Lord, that you gave me something to do. Thank you that I changed people's lives. Thank you that my life wasn't my own. And he will say, well done and good and faithful servant. Welcome into my home. Let's worship him.